What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Roaring Repeater Podcast on 7220sports.com. Here's Cody. Welcome to the Roaring Repeater Podcast here on 7220sports.com. I am your host, Cody Tucker, joined in studio on this beautiful Friday in the capital city by Jared Newland. How we doing, man? Haven't done one of these in a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. (laughs) Has this summer just screamed by or what? And I think we say it all the time that the summers get faster and faster, but... This one, by far, has been the fastest one for me. It's been really fast for me, too, because now we have free agency in college sports. <laughs> so there's always something. Yeah, it keeps you busy. It does, and it, it's nice. It is, but it also is like, wow, camp's already open. You know, every year for me, the unofficial start is Mountain West Media Days in Vegas, and you're just – you, you kind of always had it down where you'd have a really nice summer, then go to Vegas and work your tail off, then enjoy some CFD for a little bit, and then it's on to camp. And this year, playing zero week two, just shortened it even more. And it's been, it has been extremely short. And you throw a nine-month-old daughter into the mix, it gets even shorter. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so it, uh, it has been short, but it's good. It's always good to be back. Weather's great. It's good to be over in Laramie every other day and, and talking to the guys. And uh, genuine excitement going on over there. Lots of storylines. Yeah, I was over there yesterday morning moving the boys in, and it yeah. was hot. It was 91 degrees in Laramie yesterday. That's wild. Yeah, that was hot. That does not happen. Question for you. How many yellow bellies did you crush during CFD? <laughs> well, I was going to say I definitely kept Coors in, in business this summer in general, but, uh, man, Frontier Days. Plus, I have a hookup at the Crown Royal tent at uh, at the Outlaw, so... Put a big dent in some uh, Crown Royal as well. But, uh, yeah, Frontier Days was good. Didn't do a ton. Went to Brooks and Dunn. I think you did it all, didn't you? You went to pretty I, much everything. I went to four concerts, and I think I was at three rodeos. That's the most I've done in a long time. And, yeah, it's time to take a break. Yeah. Some of that is just too much. I'm a little upset with myself that I didn't go to a rodeo. I at least try to go to one every year. But uh, the tickets I had options for weren't very good. And from now on, I think if I'm going there, you well, you spoiled me for one. We got to watch it in the VIP section last year. With free beer and air conditioning. <laughs> uh, but if I'm not going to sit behind the chutes or sitting there, I'm not. I, I think I'm too old for that now when I've seen seen enough rodeos. Yeah, I, I hear you there. And <laughs> I grew up around it, and now I have nieces competing in it, and I pretty much go to watch them, and that's about it. Yeah, it was cool to bring my daughter to the uh, parade, though, and see her eyes and see her reaction, you know, even at, you know, nine months old, watching the horses go down the line and yeah. seeing the bands and stuff. So that was kind of nice. I at least try to make it to one of those. I've still never been up early enough for a pancake breakfast. 
in my life. I'll make my own pancakes. <laughs> I'm early. That always looks or like, standing in line. <laughs> yeah, and I'm always thinking, man, I am way too hungover to be standing yep. in line at, when it's 80 degrees in the morning. So yeah, summer flew by, but uh, you know, it, it always starts at Mountain West Media Days, and Craig Bull was there along with Easton Gibbs and Titus Swin and. You know, nobody thinks the Cowboys are going to do anything this year, Jared, of course. Uh, pick fifth in the Mountain Division. But, you know, if you want to look at something, you know, to give you some hope, for one, Craig Bull didn't win a title at North Dakota State till year number nine. He's in year number nine in Laramie. I asked him, what does that mean? And he said, nothing. But he had the smile, and he's the one who brought it up. Also, we saw Utah State go worst to first last year with, what, 26 transfers i believe they had and a brand new coach and uh, look what they did so if that can give that can give you some hope plus craig bolther out there that in 2016 he brought a couple of you know uh, under recruited stragglers with him to las vegas one named josh allen the other one named andrew wingert the cowboys weren't picked to do anything that year i believe they were picked to finish sixth in the mountain division all they did was beat boise state and host the mountain west championship game what does it all mean nothing yeah, but. when you look at certain trends of these preseason rankings, when Wyoming is picked lower than the fans obviously want and lower than we, um, they think they should be, and maybe even just lower than halfway down, yeah. and you look at both football and basketball, they perform pretty well. Yeah. And they usually uh, finish higher. And we'll take out the coning years, but <laughs> they usually fish, finish higher than expected. But when they're picked at the top echelon, first or second, seems like that pressure gets to them. And and I, is that because of a smaller college town that there's so much pressure on them? They know that they're doing this for the entire state. I mean, obviously they, they I don't think they really think about it in those terms. Yeah, the fans do though. There is some sort of pressure that gets to them when they're picked that high though. Yeah, well, and last year uh, it makes perfect sense talking to these guys. I, you know, of course, one of our questions is what what happened. I mean, we asked it a hundred times last year, but they're not really talking during the season. You know, how do you lose to New Mexico? How did what happened against Hawaii? What what in the hell is going on here? After talking to them now, it's one of those deals where they lost that game at Air Force and they played so poorly on offense. And uh, that team had a ton of seniors. It was what the third, I believe, third oldest team in in the country last year. So it was one of those things where they talked about winning a championship and they had all that title hope and hype. And once they lost Air Force, it kind of was like, well, that was likely our division title. And then next week it snowballed uh, big time, as you saw with the turnovers and the losses and dropping one to Fresno State, then unbelievably losing to New Mexico at home and then going on and losing at San Jose State. So after that, it kind of steamrolled. And now we all hate this answer more than anything, but everybody's saying day at a time, play at a time you know we hate hearing that answer don't we all I mean especially in the media really hate hearing it but this team needs to do that it's true they're young now they're the third youngest team in America just like that because of graduation in the transfer portal yeah and looking back at that Air Force game sorry I'm trying to spit that out because that's still so frustrating to think about but you know they've They've all moved on. I yeah. mean, it's it's damn yep. near uh, 11 months ago. So, Can you even believe that game was 14-14 before half? It shouldn't have been. Yeah, it it was that bad. Nothing. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> so, but. 
you can't let one loss turn into two, three, and four, and that's exactly what happened. And, and another thing that you can point out, I guess, with quarterbacks and talking to some of these uh, coaches, especially Tim Polisek, the offensive coordinator, is you can't let one incompletion turn into four incompletions. You can't let one turnover turn into four turnovers, yep. and that's happened way too often since Josh Allen was here. Yep, and, you know, I was just going to say year two of Tim Polisek. Let's see what what he has put together yeah. and what he's learned from. I'm sure he made a ton of mistakes and he'd, he'd probably admit it mm-hmm. that in his first year as um, you know the play caller, he's probably made a lot of mistakes, and now he's settled in a little bit, knows different scenarios, what play calls should work, mm-hmm. and what play calls he should be calling, and a new signal caller too. Yeah. Well, and he did say, you know, so here's where I think UW is learning, and, and Craig Bowl, even as tenured of a coach as he is, they're learning that sometimes you say stuff and it's going to stay with you forever. And one of those things is we're going to re-engineer the offense. I mean, that's a punchline now, right? Because it was not better last year at all. In it, at all, like in any, aside from Isaiah Nair, I mean, kid was special, but it was not re-engineered. And what he should have said instead is, you know, maybe not one word, but saying efficient. It needs to be efficient. If you're going to throw the ball 20 times, you need to complete 16 of those. That's what now they're saying we meant by re-engineering. And the only time we really saw that. I mean, we saw it a couple times. Early against Northern Illinois, you saw it. Against Ball State, you saw it. Um, but really, against Utah State, there at the end, that's when you saw it. Levi Williams threw the ball only 15 times that night. 12 of them were completed. One of them was an unbelievable interception by Shaq Bond deep in the red zone. Uh, other than that, I mean, you don't get much more efficient than that. And look what that did for the running game. It, it opened up the running game. Un- and they worked with each other in unison. It opened up the passing game. They did everything right that night, including getting a special teams touchdown. That is what these coaches are saying Wyoming Cowboy football is supposed to look like. Yeah, you look back at that game, and that's a head scratcher (laughs) for both sides. Right, right. Really, you know, for Utah State and Wyoming. But, yeah, that's exactly what we want to see as fans, um, you know, and and media. (laughs) Yeah, nobody was complaining that night, and, and, and he only threw it 15 times. So I, I've been reading the fans and what they're saying about, well, you know, anytime you write a story about a wide receiver, it's, well, if somebody would throw him the ball, if they could catch the ball, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's – Craig Bull does not deceive you, folks. He tells you every year the same thing. This year you're getting a heavy dose of Titus Wynn, and then they want to complete at least 75 80% of their passes. And sometimes you have to re- you have to think about that when a pass is thrown to a wide receiver and it – air mailed or whatever that wide receiver may have ran the wrong route yeah uh maybe he went two yards too deep Mm -hmm. all those kind of things factor in and um their mistakes on the wide receiver and that's why you see i think at times you see craig and people on the sideline going ballistic on some of these guys because (laughs) it's not because the quarterback did something bad it's because the other player didn't run the right route right well and tim polisek did mention to me last week in media day that Guys got to make plays, too. And we saw it. How many times were, you know, they overshot Isaiah Nair running wide open down the middle of the field. And then you see Isaiah Nair with his mistimed jump against New Mexico. Maybe that turns that game around. Uh, In talking to the tight ends and tight ends coach Shannon Moore, they were open a lot. They were just missed. You just got to execute. You got to execute. And and that's not saying that that Polisek's not taking a lot of this on his shoulders. He is. But he also, you got to make plays. You have to make plays, and you have to know what you're doing. And, you know, it, it was his first year, so 
you know, and and he had a couple of quarterbacks that, as talented as they are in some areas, were not always the most accurate guys. And jumping into that a little bit, the QB battle is still one that it's weird to call it a battle because I personally don't feel like it's a battle. I feel like this is Andrew Peasley's job. I think it's his job to lose. I don't see how you ever go into Big Ten country on opening day with a quarterback who hasn't ever taken an FBS snap. Peasley's the only guy on this roster who's ever done that. Uh, He helped lead Utah State to six wins last year and played nine games. Um, So, to me, he's the quarterback, and he is kind of the perfect quarterback for this because he's efficient, and from all accounts this fall, he's making his reads. He's standing tall in the pocket. He can also run a little bit. Uh, They don't really want to rely on that, but... We haven't seen a lot of guys making reads lately and standing tall, in the in, and that's for a plethora of reasons, not just putting it on the quarterback. Uh, that's a number of reasons, but Andrew Peasley seems like the right guy for this, and he's super confident. Everybody that talks to him or talks about him mentions the same word, and it's swagger, and he has it. And I was, gonna, I was just going to say that. It, I don't think you can call it cocky. No. Now, if he was still at Utah State, maybe we as fans would say, that guy's cocky, but yeah. I, I like it. It's confidence factor. Yeah. And his teammates love him and adore him. And this isn't the first time we've heard that. The, from all accounts, the team adored Sean Chambers. And Sean's a great guy, so I'm sure they did. But they really like him. And Titus Swin said, yeah, he works out next to me in the weight room. And he tries to keep up with me on the weights. And Coach Bull joked that, you know, sometimes we got to tell Andrew, you know, tone it down a notch. We don't need you keeping up with Titus Swin in the weight room. And I brought that up to Andrew, and he says, are you kidding me? Titus is trying to keep up with me in the weight room. <laughs> <laughs> so you love that kind of confidence. Absolutely. From your absolutely. And, and, you know, it's just fun little jabs and banter going on, yeah. too. And it keeps the locker room loose. Yep. And he's only been here since, what, last fall sem- or uh, winter semester? Yeah, so f- right around February 1. Yeah. And he's already made, you know, he's already got these guys loving him. And they all, you know, last year we heard love, love, love. We all love each other, blah, blah, blah. We're finding out that that wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, a lot of players have said guys were out for themselves. And then, of course, that lost Air Force really kind of rattled some stuff. And then once the turnovers and losses mount, that's when locker rooms can really splinter. And I don't know if it necessarily splintered, but I do know Titus Swin said, I said, what the hell happened against Hawaii? And he said, man, we, we had a bunch of dudes that they they knew we beat Utah State, they knew we were bowl eligible, and they knew we couldn't win a Mountain West title, and you saw what you saw. And they're not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but they also said, they keep saying, including Easton Gibbs, you see who's here now. You see who's who's gone. Everybody who's here wants to be here, and they all have mentioned that. And there are several players that did hit the transfer portal that you can't blame them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, nayers. greener pastures yeah. and a couple of them have graduated. I mean, and they just wanted to try something different. Yeah. You know, Xavier validate. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, he, he graduated. Yep. <laughs> and he gave his heart, soul he and body to the university of Wyoming. And he's, he's moved on to a P five at Arizona state and let's see what he can do in the pac 12. Yeah. Really excited for him. Love Xavier. I mean, he's the number two all time leading rusher in Wyoming history. And he came out of nowhere. Yep. And there's and there's a lot of players that have made comments that you know coaching staff wise, other players wise, and stuff like that, and they weren't good fits. And you know yep. what? They're gone. It's it is what it is. And I was gonna I, we're gonna get into the NFL here in a little bit about the players that are currently on rosters and stuff. But it's you always put out that tracker each week, 
on how they did the week four. Yeah. You almost have to do that now with the former players that are at P5 schools. <laughs> I've thought about that, but I thought fans <laughs> might go, would you stop with this? We're done with them. <laughs> no, but it does make – I mean, I think the transfer portal is kind of like the NFL now to where fans are going to be – especially from schools like Wyoming, yeah. fans are going to be looking, watching these other games That's true. to see how their former players and maybe even their former – favorite player yeah i got i gotta admit i'm really excited if this happens to see isaiah nair and cj colden going up against each other in that oklahoma texas game i think that could be really fun and obviously i'm in a different spot where i got to know these guys pretty well uh during their time here so you know i root for these guys i'm happy for these dudes whatever you want to do man it's your life Mm -hmm. go have fun uh which is kind of going to get me off track here because i want to get back to this some some positions we feel comfortable about some that we don't Today on 7220sports.com, we're in the middle of our villain series, our unsweet 16. And this is the one to me that was a slam dunk. Uh, This is who, if I had a vote, I would pick all day long. And that is our, what, number five seed uh, Wyoming natives who played at rival schools. Um, I don't know about you, Jared, but no, nothing makes me more upset as a Wyoming kid. And maybe maybe it is the Wyoming boy in me that can't get over it. But when you go to another school, especially Colorado State or BYU or Utah or Utah State, um, you burned your man card. <laughs> you know, I've, I've said this for many years. I mean, we all mo- – all right, 99% of us that are going to be listening to this um, dislike BYU. Yeah. There's no getting around it. Yes. But I've always felt that Wyoming really never recruited against BYU, even in the heyday just because it's it's more of a religion. back then it was more of a religion yeah. factor than yeah. anything which is fine whatever you know but Wyoming recruits against Colorado State 365 days a year whether it be athletics just normal school enrollment whatever it is anything that Wyoming can do to have that upper edge to get that particular um, kid on campus yeah. is so important and to watch them go down there, Wyoming natives go down to Fort Collins and participate in no matter – I don't care what sport it is. I don't even care if it's sports. I don't even want yeah. you to go to school there. It, it, it hurts. Yep. And when you drive around and you see CSU mom on the back of a vehicle and or a license plate, it just makes me cringe. And there's more, there's more greenies that live in Cheyenne now. And CSU alum that live in China now just because of the cost of living yeah. and politics, state <laughs> state taxes. I yeah. mean, and You're they'll right. still drive down there to work, but, but they're going to live in Wyoming. There's a beautiful house. I don't know if you've seen it. Right down here in the avenue is one of the most beautiful houses in Cheyenne, and they have a CSU flag flying mm-hmm. out front. Right, I'm talking a stone's throw from the Capitol building, and it makes me want to go back to like youth vandalism era Cody Tucker. I hate it. Oh, you've... <laughs> I know a few guys that listening that will listen to this, and you know who I'm talking about yeah. that might make a night trip over there. I'll give you an address. <laughs> All right, off that we it's, can't be. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm shocked today to see so many fans go. You can't blame a kid for going here, and it, yes, folks, yes, I understand that. But I just, if I was a star football player. And I, and I get a lot of these dudes, especially the Gillette guys, the Vomhoffs and the Oldenburg and then Ben Stratton, who is my age. We went to school together. 
Wyoming was not good at that time. It was Dana Dimmel. They weren't good. But I really hate you if you're going to Colorado State because Wyoming's not good. Go to Wyoming and make them better. And this is just me talking. I don't know if Dimmel even talked to him. I don't know. Or not Dimmel. I'm sorry. Coning, Coning. yeah. I don't know if Coning even talked to him. I don't know how that all worked out. All I know is I've seen all of those guys raise a bronze boot above their head. And uh, I've never felt so insane in my life. (laughs) Yeah, during I was working in the department during that time. That was such a weird three years of Vic Koning was a weird guy to be around. And we weren't used to that. Unbelievable defensive coordinator. Yeah. He proved that at Wyoming and post Wyoming. Yes. Yeah. But being the head guy that it just something doesn't click. Yeah. Instead of letting other people do their jobs be the D coordinator and just be the CEO of the team just doesn't click with some of these guys. Yeah. And it, it's really weird how they can't just let turn that over and move on and just keep things going. Yeah. That's a rabbit hole we could go down forever because you wonder too, what was the ser- job search like? What was how how much did the university put into a job search, or did they say we have a guy right now and we're just comfortable saying you're the guy? Well, Lee Moon was the AD at the time, and I was there at the time. Uh, there was no search. <laughs> I mean, it was like Vic is a D, D coordinator; he's going to be our guy. That would never fly today, just because of you need to interview Coach, certain candidates. Coaching searches are a little bit different than other. Um, positions on campus yeah i mean if they have an internal guy like alan edwards larry shy to alan edwards that's true i mean tom berman did interview all three assistant coaches gave them a fair shake but they they said it was going to be alan in the long term or in in the end run that was part of the deal with larry retiring he said, "You, one of my three assistants needs to be the next guy. And Gerald Madison probably just did the same thing, and, and Ligurski maybe did the same thing. Yeah, that was, that was a deal that was going to be set in stone, too. And then it was when Gerald was named three years ago, that's why um, when he retired, it was, it was already set in stone that he was going to be, or that um, the new coach was going to take over in three years. But do you think That's Dana it. Demmel ever had a t- conversation with Lee Moon and said, Vic's your next guy. You absolutely need to keep Vic. He's too talented. He needs to be here. I doubt it. There was a, <laughs> I bet you there was a conversation of what do you think about Vic being the next head coach? And I'm sure Dana gave his opinions, whether it was yes or no. But Lee, I mean, we saw it when uh, Joe Tiller uh, went to Purdue. Lee Moon, Joe Taylor asked for a salary pool of money for his assistant coaches. He wasn't asking for a raise or a long-term extension by any means. He asked for a pool to keep his assistant coaches. Lee said no. Joe goes to Purdue. Lee hires his man in Dana Dimmel, somebody he knew, mm-hmm. somebody he could run. Lee Moon was all about um, authority. He wanted to make sure that he could run somebody well and i know for a fact in talking to dana demo that lee moon went and golfed with dana while joe tiller was still the head coach at wyoming and pretty much said you're my guy if and when and lee had a football background and he that was his baby he wanted to be involved in the decision making 
in football and he was overly involved (laughs) awesome well that brings us to another question does joe tiller even if he gets that pull does he stay or does he go to purdue because it's a big 10 opportunity yeah, and I, or does he stay in Drew Brees comes to Laramie and is the quarterback and all Tomlinson. as well? Yeah, <laughs> uh, we don't. We'll, we'll never know the answers to that. Uh, but it's yeah. Let's move on. It's <laughs> so frustrating thinking back to the what ifs. Yeah, I just I wanted to bring up the villains thing for one because I want to pump up this uh, this series. I think it's been a lot of fun and people have had a lot of fun voting. Um, I know like Lavelle Edwards was the number one seed. He's moving on by what ninety eight percent. Yeah, and don't don't get involved or hung up too much on the seeds not at all they're 16 villains they're really not seeded anything yeah it may affect the outcome in the long term because of one's going to go up against the eight mm-hmm. if the eight moves on type of a deal but don't get too hung up on why the seeds are there they're just numbers um there's 16 villains out there and let's see who the the top vote getter is but if you're going to read and comment on social media actually if you're going to comment make sure you read the story one before <laughs> please, you comment please before you say just um, whoever urban, well read why yeah between the two. If is and it's it, so obvious when you don't read it, it's so exactly. And if you're going to read it, vote. <laughs> the vote is easy. It's not going to track you. It's not going to show who you voted for, but it helps us determine how many people are actually voted and how many people are engaged in something like this. Yeah. And if we want to do it again. We're not putting a microchip in you, I promise. Yeah, so please participate. <laughs> Don't just comment to comment. Parti- read and participate. Yeah, we love that. We love that. I, I'm shocked, though, to see how many people are just like, you can't fault these guys. And, you know, yeah, maybe you can't fault them, but you still don't like them, right? Like, did it do anything for you whatsoever when Brett Kiesel won a Lombardi trophy? It just made me upset. It didn't even register. And I know people from Grable probably love the guy, and, and he's a good dude. and all. I get all that. but I know a lot of people you... who they love the guy. Right. Yeah. And, and I now love Chris Cooley after meeting him and finding out that he yeah. actually wanted to go to Wyoming. Yeah. And they're for the majority, they're all good guys. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It just they made a poor decision on what school they went to. <laughs> and I guarantee you ask every one of these guys, they would love that they're the villain. Oh, absolutely. They love it. Ben Stratton right now, and we all know he's probably going to listen to this. Yeah. He definitely read <laughs> yeah. the story. Yeah. He's pounding his chest right now. You know what, Ben? Good for you. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. It's all it's all fun banter. It is, and that's what also is so bothersome sometimes about some of the comments you read. It's like, this is nothing official, guys. This is fun. It's all fun. We're just having fun with it. So you have fun with it, too. Settle down. Take your blood pressure meds. Settle down. I'm nice. actually shocked so many people are voting for Urban Meyer. I mean, he is incredibly hateable. Uh, you know, he did win, what, six times against the Cowboys between his Utah and Colorado State tenure. And something I'm going to ask Kevin McKinney when I see him today, I believe I heard this, but I didn't write it in here because I don't know for sure. But I'm pretty sure Wyoming was also in the mix to get Urban out of Bowling Green along with Utah. And I think he chose Utah. I'm not 100% on that, so I'm going to ask Kevin McKinney today. But I, I had always heard that Wyoming was one of the finalists to get him. You know, and I was there at that time. I'm trying to think if he was in the mix or not. Because that would have been the Vic moving on to Joe Glenn era. Yep. Huh. Good question. Yeah. I had always heard that was the case, but I didn't know for certain. We'll report back to you next week. Yeah. I think that'd be very interesting. I think that'd be a very interesting story. Here's Kevin's answer, though, because I know Kevin so well. 
I can neither de- confirm or deny. Which means yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Urban Meyer is hateable, but after you watch what he did at Utah, you wonder what his career trajectory would have been because the Olympics helped him tremendously. Don't get it twisted. They absolutely yeah. did. Ron McBride was 5-6, and six, and I believe 3-6 and six in the Mountain West the year before Urban Meyer got there. It was that offense. That offense was incredible, and well, they ran it to perfection with Alex Smith. The stadium got a total makes, you know, total facelift. Yeah, and that is one of the best um, scenes. Looking out of the back of that press box, yeah, it's all glass. Yep, overlooking the city yep. and the valley. It's pretty cool. Absolutely, but now they're not Wyoming's rival. Now Wyoming never plays them. I mean, it's it's hateable. There's a lot of things to hate about that era of Utah football, and, and still do. I still can't stand them. I, I'm sad they're having so much success in the Pac-12, but it also may be an indictment on the Pac-12. They're preseason number eight. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Not 18, number eight. Yeah. <laughs> well, and longevity, with Kyle Whittingham being there forever, yeah. he is also on this list and moving on to the next round. He is very hateable. <laughs> yeah, and he we all know that he's a jackass, <laughs> yeah. but he's a hell of a football coach, and he has some tough dudes yeah, on those lines. Always. I'm just getting a comment here, and I usually don't read this kind of crap on the air, but uh, it's kind of indicative of what we said. Uh, I couldn't vote for the Wyoming. This is Old Bull, a uh, great Wyoming fan, Wyoming Old Bull on Twitter. I couldn't vote for the Wyoming guys because I think some of them made the right decision. Several of them I would have voted for individually. No, we only had 16, so I didn't really. I don't even know who you'd single out of that. I mean, I would single out Ben Stratton because he's from Cheyenne and he's my age. But and he was pretty damn good. He was good, I, although that that fault, that fake interception he had in Laramie totally hit the ground. And if we uh, had instant replay, <laughs> if we had instant replay, and Malcolm Floyd ended up getting the last laugh in that one anyway. He did. He did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess I get this, but because some several of them made the right decision, I know Wyoming football wasn't great back then, but why wouldn't you come but, in and take some And try to turn it around. It? Yeah. Be, be that person that says, you know what, I helped turn that around. Yeah. So. Then again, Jared, maybe we're just crazy locals that yeah. put way too much weight into this. I know I was fuming, furious at that time. And I was even mad at Tevis, Tevis Bartlett for going to Washington, and now when I can think back from a – journalistic standpoint and all the you know all the crap i've been through since he made his decision uh he actually had the gall gall is not the right word i can't think of the right word but he wrote a letter to the local newspaper saying basically i'm sorry i didn't pick wyoming and what a wouldn't what, what a kid to do something like that and at the time i remember going oh you know to hell with you you know you're you're done now but i mean now looking back wow to write he didn't have to do that and he did. Yeah. He did. And he and, and unbelievable. He had a chance to go to Washington. He was in NFL camps. He played a pretty big role in Seattle. So good for him. You know, I'm not as I'm not as mad at I'm not mad at him at all, in fact, now. But I mean, when I was younger and growing up with a guy like Ben Stratton and seeing him go, uh, that was Well and and was I was bad. working in the department during those you know, early two thousands when all that was going on and we had to field so many phone calls. Oh, I can't even imagine. And, you know, we're out doing fundraising efforts in Gillette. Oh, God. In Cheyenne. And they're all talking about this. And it, it makes it tough. Yeah. It, it, it definitely did. And But, you know, once again, it was all conversation pieces, too. It was always good to get things started. And, right. And then that joke, Glenn comes in and says, hey, you need to help us change this around. We're yeah. not losing any more Wyoming kids. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he did a great job. Yep. And then 
Dave let it go a little bit. Now Craig's doing a great job. Craig's doing awesome. Yep. Uh, maybe better than ever, aside from some of those teams in the 60s yep. and stuff that w- were loaded with Wyoming guys. Yep. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I was a little shocked to see that. I didn't, you know, because you and I talked before this poll even came out, and we're like, Urban Meyer, uh, I don't even know if he's on this list. But right now, it's quite the battle going on between yep. these two. All right, uh, on to 2022, Cowboys. Yeah. Oh, I, I wanted to say, too, I talked to Kyle Bell, former CSU running back. Who really thought he might go to Wyoming. And I brought up to him the fact, because he played with some of these dudes, and I brought up the fact that, you know, how gross it is when Wyoming kids play there. And he goes, are you kidding? Wyoming takes Colorado people left and right. And I said, it's not even the same thing. Yeah. When you're from the least populated state in the country, you have to keep your dudes. You have to. Yeah, the and, Fort Collins area has the population of Wyoming now. Exactly. So. Yeah. So, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there that uh, it's apples and oranges to say the least. Um, but Kyle, thank you for reading and listening all the time. <laughs> I do love Kyle. He's a fellow metalhead. I wish he would have played yep. at Wyoming, damn it. He would have been one of my favorites. Uh, what are some spots, I guess, Jared, that we feel really comfortable with heading into this 2020 season with these diaper dandies that are uh, loading up in Laramie? Well, obviously running back. Um, they're, they're deep there again. Feel uh, very you know, good. Titus Wynn is just he's – a, he's a man amongst boys, really. He I is. mean, he's just a bowling ball, and we've seen what he can do. But, you know, Mc, Dwayne McNeely, he, he showed some spurts last year of what he can do, and hopefully he can stay healthy. You know, all, obviously all of them need to stay healthy. Um, feel comfortable with the – first team offensive line yes now if somebody does go down which it's inevitable and a lineman usually does um there needs to be some young guys that need to step up mm-hmm. and um there's a few spots that they have those number two guys solidified in mm-hmm. but there's some really there's some other spots that need somebody needs to step up here in the next two weeks during camp um tight end overall i think you can say you feel comfortable with yeah um, especially blocking wise yeah blocking wise and uh you know, there's an H back position which is tight end in this in this particular offense. So I feel comfortable with the DBs, cornerbacks, and uh, safeties really on the first team. Yeah. Um, hopefully, and because we've heard Jay Savell say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, middle linebacker. He he's he's in. He's that's uh, etched in stone there. Yeah. Um, the outside guys need to step up and see who's going to be the starters there and then obviously who need, who's going to be the uh, backups there yeah d-line is thin uh th- that was one position that uh you know the transfer portal hurt on and some really some guys with seniority that mm-hmm. left yeah that had some had a lot of had a lot of snaps there uh but the interior d-line is solid yeah it's just those it's those edge rushers but you know you've also seen the like that first uh, first scrimmage, and even during spring ball, the edge rushers had some good good moments. Mm-hmm. But what can you really take from that until you see them in game action against a Big Ten team? Yeah, yeah, good question. It's going to be a good. You know, I know Illinois is not the upper echelon of the Big Ten by any means, but this is a heck of a test right off the bat for this young group. up and coming. I think. Though. Yeah. Well, and Bart Miller, former Wyoming offensive line coach, coaches that offensive line for the Fighting Illini. So. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think the first O-line's good. They moved Eric Aboje over to the left tackle spot. Uh, basically, asked Craig about that, and he said he's very talented, and we can do that. Uh, so that'll be nice to have uh, 
Big E over there blocking Andrew Peasley's blindside. Uh, Frank Crum, I mean, what a story he is coming from basically nothing at Laramie High School and and really uh, not a developed kind of cat and wondering, you know, kind of, is this guy ever going to be good and ever going to be a starter? And, and look what he's done. And he's, he's better than ever. And what I love about him is he kind of looks like he'd be a nice guy. And he is a very nice guy. I love Frank Crum, but he's got a mean streak to him. And you want that with your offensive lineman. Yeah, and sometimes he's gotten the hankies thrown on him too for <laughs> for doing something so that let's don't do that on the field i mean you can talk the talk just yeah. don't do it with action all right i love frank post whistle that is he's good man and, and like you said titus win he's uh i'm seeing a very uh, i'm seeing a breakout year for titus win he was one of those guys that you said hey how do you feel about not being on the first team second team or honorable mention for you know preseason all mountain west and he just kind of smiled <laughs> didn't didn't say much and he is one of those guys that, I mean, it is going to bother him in the back of his mind, but he's going to let his play on the field determine yeah. who's, who's first or second team postseason. Yeah, and I fully believe it's going to be him. I think he's going to be the leading rusher in the Mountain West this year. Obviously, all these different award watch lists that he's on, he's a very good player. And uh, now that he's Q, uh, RB number one, uh, really excited to see what he can do. Plus, the coaches have said that he's really stepped up in a leadership-type position, which wasn't always his M.O., you know. And he even admitted, I was kind of a me guy when I got here, and I'm from Texas, and I'm, you know, I'm the man. And, you know, he's had some humble pie handed to him. Uh, He also sat out the COVID season, which I'll be writing a story here soon about why he sat out that COVID season and why exactly. So I'm going to tell you right now, uh, you will not be mad at Mr. Titus Swin if you're still upset with him missing the 2020 campaign. Uh, yeah, like the first O-line, like the tight ends, Jackson Marcotte, uh, Trayton Welch, those guys can block like crazy. Uh, Parker Christensen, the H-back, he is also so talented. I want to see them get the ball to him more. Uh, really like him. <sighs> Defensively, yeah, you love Jordan Bertinelli, Cole Goodbow in the middle there. Uh, they're solid. It's hard to replace a Chad Muma, but if you're going to attempt to do it, you know, Easton Gibbs is a pretty nice plan there. Uh, we saw Chad Muma was that guy for Logan Wilson as well. Um, who's going to play on that outside in the weak side for the linebacker spot? It sounds like it's Jason and uh, Suyanoa and Cole DeMarzo, the Michigan State transfer. Sounds like they're going to kind of be a little bit of a carousel there. And Jay Savell couldn't say enough about Isaac White, said he was the best safety they had last year, even though they had Rome Weber and Asias Gandy. He said Isaac White was by far their best safety last year. He's going to play. Wyatt Eckler's going to play a lot. Just wrote a story about Wyatt Eckler. Uh, it's on the website right now. Um, also, Miles Williams, he's a senior who's kind of waited his turn, a la Elijah Halliburton, uh, played a lot of special teams. He had an interception last year at Northern Illinois. I think he's going to play. You lose C.J. Colden and you lose his easy Hearn on the outside. Those are two veteran corners that really did a lot. Uh, they were really good uh, in a lot of cases. Um, not so much a good note they ended on against Kent State. <laughs> Kent State kind of did what they wanted to in the passing game, and then obviously they hit the portal, but the Cowboys – Found out that portal door swings both ways, and uh, they're really liking the return they're getting so far on Darren Harrell from Wisconsin and Ja'Cory Hawkins from Ole Miss. But Benny Boyd, the uh, secondary coach, said, or the corners coach said, uh, make no mistake, Cam Stone is the leader of the room, and uh, that's kind of exciting to hear. He's a natural kid, uh, you know, recruited. He's been here a couple years. Had the 99-yard kick return against Utah State last year, so, you know, he's got some wheels. So excited to see him more in a starting role as well. 
at the nickel spot, they love Keontae Glinton. Uh, I'll be having a story about him shortly, too. Uh, really good player. And then his backup, Malik Singleton, possibly a true freshman, uh, might be a guy who backs him up. Another guy, Buck Coors, is the coolest name on this roster. He might be another guy, too, who's also caught the attention. Of... Coolest name on anyone's roster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> coolest name on earth. I need to see if he's related somehow so I can start maybe getting some perks for all the money I've put in his family's pockets. Speaking of that, you saw Pete Coors on stage at Brooks and Dunn playing the cowbell. I did? Yeah. Well, I had he was a, up I had, on stage. I had too many of his beverages to even notice what yeah. was going on on and stage. They even said, he goes, yeah, he, that was... That was Pete Coors. Really? Playing, yeah. Wow. Yeah. By the way, I have no idea if Buck Coors is related to anybody in the Coors family. He's just from Colorado. I'm putting two and two together and hoping. That's all. We hope he is. <laughs> yeah. So what about some question marks here? I think you immediately got to look at the wide receiver spot. They're down Aiden Everhard. They're down Isaiah Nair. I, I think we're all in agreement here. Isaiah Nair is a very special player, and uh, he could have done a hell of a lot more in an offense that's more suited toward him, which will be the University of Texas. Exactly. I'm going to go back real quick, though. Kickers. Yeah. I think place kicker and whichever punter they end up with. Yeah. John Hoyland's the guy, they're for gonna, sure. Yeah, on place kicking. But punting, I think they're fine. Yeah. Uh, if it's Fawaz. Um, yeah, and Clayton Stewart has been pushing him. from Texas State, yeah. That's the beauty. They got yep. two of them pushing each other. And it's hard to believe that Fawaz – averaged 42.5 yards a kick and he was what, like eighth eighth in the mountain west yeah yeah there's a lot of good punters in this league and yeah. I've, as we know a couple of them are in the nfl they were drafted yeah a lot of so, them are gone yeah. <laughs> so this is the time but, but yeah i i just wanted to point that out because yeah. special teams guys are usually we forget about in the them. mix but yeah. i think they're two two solid yeah spots i agree there. I agree. So sorry. Um, yeah, I totally agree on that, and good point. Um, also, talked to Craig about the kick return and punt return positions, which Aiden Eberhart was worth his weight in gold in a lot of ways on punt returns. You know, half the time you're surrounded by a bunch of dudes, and you better you better catch the ball. Uh, but one thing I asked Craig Bull is, do you feel comfortable? If, say Cam Stone is a starter, do you feel comfortable having him return kicks uh, with the fear of possibly losing him if he gets hurt on special teams? Same goes for uh, a Titus Swin. Because uh, Titus was returning, and we're also seeing DQ James. We saw him in the spring. I don't know if that's still a thing. Uh, they're kind of mum on that. They haven't done a lot of work on it. Craig says allegedly. Uh, but do you worry about having those dynamic guys back there that are so important to the success of your football team? And he said, you know, we try and we try and protect our guys as much as we can. But at the end of the day, it's football. Yeah. But do you want to see Titus win returning kicks and punts? Probably not Titus, but Cam doesn't bother me as much yeah. or a dq yeah just i mean but titus he is so important to the success of this team yeah i i totally agree but but so is field, field position is so important to the success of any team so it's such a you gotta put your best guys out there that's what he says yep. but i know like for instance in easton gibbs he loved playing special teams and i mean loved it i kept going shut up no way loved it you think he's gonna be on special teams hell no and he wasn't last year. So some of these guys, but I think they like, also you got to think about it, that weird COVID year, 2020, those guys were all in quarantine for months on end. So those are guys who should have been getting valuable reps on special teams and on <clears throat> kick kick coverage yep. and stuff like that, and they just weren't. So now they actually have a real 
crop. A guy, for instance, Andrew Johnson, whose dad DJ shoots photos for us. Andrew from Cheyenne Central, he's the kind of guy that can really make a name and start getting some time this year playing that position. So I think they're going to be way better off than they were during the COVID year, obviously. Um, But the wide receiver spot is just... You know, you talk to Alex Brown, you talk to Josh Cobbs, uh, Wyatt Whelan, they all say, hey, man, we know that people think we're the weak link. We know that. But you don't get to see us in practice, and you don't get to see what we're doing. We are going to be much improved. And speaking of getting to see him in practice, you actually get to watch 30 minutes of practice (laughs) today, today, which is Friday when we're recording this. Uh, Miracle of all miracles. Yeah, so that's good that you actually get to watch 30 minutes and maybe – Maybe this is one position that you yeah. probably focus on. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to see that. And talking to Paul Sec, he said, you know, now we have more targets that need to be accountable. Last year, it's really easy to go get it to that guy, get it to Nair, get it to him. Now you got to be more selective, which means you got to make your reads and you got to make plays. Alex Brown is every bit 6'4", 200 pounds. And he, it, it, there's a story about him on the site right now. He has been injured often since he's been here. He was injured in high school, came here with a shoulder injury. He has three catches for 33 yards in three years. Um, this is a this is a three-star guy that was expected to do big things, and he's got the body and the speed and the whole nine to do it. Now he's healthy. He knows how crucial this is. It is crucial. It's so crucial. Uh, Coach has talked so much about the defensive ends. Love Sebastian Harsh, uh, Olawasi Amoda Show, Devin, uh, or Devon Harris. He really likes those guys. He doesn't know who the fourth guy is yet, but he really likes those guys, so... He's talked about him so much. And then you talk to Jay Savell and go, does it kind of freak you out how much Craig talks about your defensive ends? And he said, no, I don't think he talks about him enough. So encouraging, very encouraging, because that's a spot where you're like, you lost Victor Jones, you lost Garrett Kroll, you lost Solomon Bird, but you kind of Jalen look, Pate. You look back at the 16-year, 17, or 15 uh, you know, a young, undersized Carl Granderson. Absolutely. Uh, then when Solomon Bird few years later stepped up he was undersized yep things like that that there were young freshmen redshirt freshmen and they're out there they're they're good speed and rushers yep absolutely he keeps bringing that up he said olawasi emoto show runs a sub four five forty from yeah. the defensive end spot all right not too shabby not too shabby so yeah i i'd say one of the bigger question marks you mentioned it Who's going to back up that number one offensive line? I think that's a really big one. They have not found a third tackle yet. And for those of you wondering, uh, the four-star recruit whose mind is her name is slipping my mind, Deshaun. Oh, the out of <laughs> Omaha. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun. 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 Efforting. See if I can find it. Yep. Uh, I'm not finding it. Well, you know, oh, here it is. You know who I'm talking about. I don't even need to say his name, but we better get used to it. Deshaun Woods. Jeez. (laughs) Only the second four-star recruit in the history of the program, uh, the number two-ranked player in the entire state of Nebraska. Um, He was committed to Mizzou. He had A&M, Tennessee, Florida. He had all kinds of offers, and he will red shirt he's one that you kind of hoped four-star guy he's probably going to play right away he is going to red shirt and i don't know why he's not going to play right away but coach smiled said he is on the roster he is going to red shirt he said that in las vegas i don't know what that means but there's something behind that 
of course, things have been thrown around about his, you know, grades and all that kind of stuff. But Craig assured me that we would not go after a guy if we were worried about him in the in the uh, education department. And you know, he he is only listed at two eighty five, and to play tackle, you need to most likely be three fifteen ish. Yeah, something like that. So maybe that's they just want his body to catch up. You know, his weight well, to catch up with his body. And he, stuff like that. He's mentioned Craig's mentioned that a hundred times that you're more likely to play a skilled spot as a true freshman than you ever are on the line, and that's all there is to it. Well, I've talked about this numerous times on this show, even that back in the day in the nineties. For a true freshman to play, or even a redshirt freshman to play on the offensive line, was very, very rare. Yeah, you most likely didn't play till you were a junior and a senior. But let's be real: if he's kicking ass on scout team this year, yeah, you and know, if, and they can play four games without losing their shirt, and there is an injury, yeah, yeah. So maybe yeah. just maybe it's a prove it. Maybe maybe too. Craig's throwing it out there that you're going to redshirt. Just throwing it out there to put a little chip and say, we say you're going to redshirt, but prove us wrong. And if he's truly this good, how much better is he going to make the DNs um, if he is playing on scout team? Great point. And we think about that. We, we lose sight of that all the time, how important a scout team is. And I and I talked to Jay Savell about it, and he was like, dude, they are the most important part. And he goes, these guys you're seeing that are playmakers right now, they were all on scout team at one time. And they were all, you know, we watched them and said, ooh, they're going to be good when they get here. Now they're here. Yep. So, the last one I have, Jared, before we sign off here, we're already at 46 minutes when we said we were going 30. <laughs> that always seems to happen, doesn't it? What is your overall, and what do you feel is the fans' overall excitement level for this team? That is a very difficult question going into the 2022 campaign because, I mean, you always say, well, Wyoming is hosting so-and-so, you know, a Big Ten team or an SEC team, a Big 12 team. That's not the case this year. I mean, Tulsa's coming to Laramie. Northern Colorado's coming to Laramie. Yeah. You know, and then Air Force on a Friday night, which really hurts, to be honest with you, fan-wise, because there's there's four local high schools just within 45 miles that are playing football that night. Yeah. Um, So, it, man, I don't even know if I can answer that question. I think they just uh, last Where's year. Where's the heads up? <laughs> last year we came in with such hope. We talked all. I mean, the players and the coaches themselves were talking about a championship last year, so people were excited. But they put so much pressure on themselves, and now it's completely reversed. They're like, "Good, pick us fifth. Easton Gibbs said, "Pick us sixth. Pick us seventh. There's not even seven teams. Pick us seventh." Yep. Um, but you know, that's also sports jargon, right? You know, yeah, we have a chip. We have a chip. They got to prove it. And they have a big test on the road at a Big Ten opponent right off the bat in zero week where there's, what, three or four games happening in the country. People are going to watch Wyoming play Illinois during zero week. So it's a big, big chance. And I feel like this question will be better answered after that one. Do I feel like the Cowboys can go in and win that game? Absolutely, I do. Uh, Could they get blown out? I don't think they get blown out. But could they lose? Absolutely. It's how you lose or how you how you play that day, what determines, I think, how excited. Because I think people right now are just like, I don't even know half the guys on this roster. Which, yeah, to me, is exciting. And it's, I mean, it comes down to, I mean, people are going to be focused on the quarterback play, of course. Oh, yeah. New signal caller. Uh, the play of the offensive line. And let's see what uh, what they think about these transfers. Yep. You know, are they truly the starters yeah. type of a deal? Yeah. And, um and there'll be a lot of questions answered that week, of course, and we can get more into predictions and all that stuff in the next show or two uh, before you do head out to Champaign. But 
Um, yeah, the excitement. It's kind of weird. It is very weird, and I you don't feel it around here. But once, you know, the students are reporting, freshmen have to be there Sunday for this new Saddle Up program. They go through this program all week. And then the, uh, then the week after that, school starts. And it's just, it's a different vibe when all the students are back on campus and the school's actually going and stuff like that. So, yeah, and we can, we can see, you know, I kind of track this in the page views. And it's kind of hard because, let's be real, our bosses here are not exactly, you know, crazy sports people um so you know they're like man your numbers were kind of down in june and i'm like of course they're down in june nobody there's nothing going on well your numbers are kind of scaring me early in july yeah there's nothing going on nothing uh so now the numbers obviously picked up after mountain west media day but i can see them consistently climbing which to me shows that people know summer's over frontier days is over in our neck of the woods it's time to start focusing back on cowboy football and now the numbers are starting to indicate that, but it's still a weird, it's weird because people, I don't think anybody knows what to think. And that includes me. I mean, if you ask me right now, how many games the Cowboys are going to win? I think they're going to be bowl eligible. I really do. I think they're going to win at least six. We, I know we're tired of that around here, but I think that'd be a big win maybe this year. And then next year, barring you don't lose people to the portal and you don't have the off season they had next year could be special in my opinion. I think this year, I mean, we saw Utah State go worst to first with a gr- whole new roster and a whole new coaching staff. Saying Wyoming's going to do that? No, but I'm not saying it's out of the realm of the possibility either. Yeah, six, seven wins this year. Um, that's what I'm thinking as well, and it would be a, a huge win for the program and to stepping stone for 2023. Yep. We say it a lot around here. Wait till next year. Wait till next year. But <laughs> this is one of those rebuilding classes uh, yep. or you know, years just because of the transfer portal, and it's going to hit, hit differently every single year now. Moving on, it's not going back the other way. Yeah, that's what's weird. That's what's scary. You just can't bank on it, especially at a G five school. You just can't oh. bank on it. So, I don't know. I'm excited. Ton of storylines. Obviously, I'm selfishly excited because of all the storylines we're going to have this year, and we've already had. So that's you know definitely exciting. But now, what gets me? If I'm just a fan now, I think what's exciting for me is. You're gonna. So many household names are gonna come out of this season. Guys, you have no idea who they are right now. Next thing you know, you're gonna have their jersey because you can now with their name on it. Yep. <laughs> so that's what I. That's what excites me. That's how you find out about these guys. We didn't know Elijah Halliburton. We didn't know dudes like that. Now he's some of our favorite players. You know, he's one of our favorite players. Yep. A lot of roster changes, so be sure to buy a program those first few games and learn them, folks. <laughs> buy a program. <laughs> or print it off online, whatever you want to do. There is a lot of names and numbers that you're going to have to learn. And all kinds of guys change their numbers, too. I do have a story on the website that shows all those number changes You know, at the big positions. You know, For instance, Titus Wynn is now number two, which Sean Chambers wore a year ago. So a lot of changing, a lot of number changes, a lot of new dudes. Who's number eight now? Joshua Cobbs. I, Joshua Cobbs is number eight now, which he was 18 last year. Don't ask me who 18 is. I'm still learning myself. <laughs> <laughs> and now, you know, that's the one thing. I don't care if guys have names on the back of their jerseys or not. I, I could care less about any of that. But <laughs> I have glasses, so I can't, like, just whip out the binoculars anymore. And I can't uh, I can't see who's who. And then these Wyoming – I love the uniforms. I love the font, but they get bunched <laughs> up so bad that, you know, Tyler Vanderwall looked like he wore number 18 his whole – or number 10 his whole career when he was actually 16. Yeah. 
He was 16, right? Am I losing my mind? He was maybe 18, but it looked like yeah. 10. I think he was 18, but it looked like 10 all those years. So, all right, man, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, excited to do it this year. Uh, we are going to have a Friday or a Saturday show, right? Yep, we're, we're looking into that. Uh, we're definitely going to have one. We're just figuring out where it's going to be. We have a lot of new, exciting uh, uh, partners on board with us this year um, moving forward, and we'll be announcing those in the next couple of weeks. And yeah, really maybe, pumped for that. Maybe that uh, pregame show before uh, – before, uh, Illinois yep. is when we'll announce it. Jared's been very busy, and I appreciate you. Thank you for all you do. So, all right, guys, we'll catch up with you next week.